This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, welcome to Thursday coverage of the NFL Combine here in Indianapolis. Chris Brown, Maddie Glab with you as uh, we will take you through the goings-on here at the NFL Scouting Combine. And uh, DBs today, we're up at the podiums here speaking to the media. And Maddie and I were kind of trolling around uh, for some of the guys that have caught our eye. Uh, either on tape or in some of the positional rankings that we've seen out there in cyberspace. And um, not not surprising for me, but there were a bunch of Georgia guys in that group, Kamari Lasseter, the corner, Javon Bullard, the safety, and then the other safety, Tyke Smith, who played that star position mm-hmm. for them in their defensive scheme. And uh, Matty was all over Cooper DeGene, who has been mocked to the Bills once or twice, I believe. Yep, twice I think it is. Some of the mock drafts, and that's a guy that can – play corner and safety. Uh, We'll talk with Field Yates a little bit later on in the show and ask him specifically if he sees him as a corner or safety or maybe capable of playing both. Uh, He is a versatile, versatile player, and he's going to be attractive and is probably coming off the board in round one. Yeah, it seems like quite a few cornerbacks could come off the board in round one. Just talking to analysts today, which we'll hear from later on, a lot of people love this cornerback class and what they have to offer, and specifically with Cooper DeGene, he said that he's talked to a few teams about playing multiple positions, moving around. Uh, He said, you know what, I don't care where I end up, I just want to play ball. I don't care if I'm a cornerback or a safety. He said, hey, I haven't played safety yet in college. I have played inside and outside as a cornerback but I believe I can play safety at the next level interesting he's he's got a lot of great tape he's he's an elite player but you wonder of a about a rookie in their first first season if he was asked to play multiple positions how much of that is can you do it all because you one you're you're digesting a new playbook you are at the NFL level for your first season you're learning how to how to live life as an NFL player that's quite a bit to undertake add multiple positions to that maybe he is a guy who who can juggle all of those things and and be a productive player in his rookie season uh, but I thought that was a little bit interesting to to hear him talk about talking with teams about playing multiple positions uh, during his first season and who knows maybe it was like hey we're gonna we're gonna play at multiple multiple positions once you feel good in this defense once once you have everything together and and whatnot yeah and it might be a byproduct of what they currently have on the roster already maybe they're not sure where that hole will be by the time they get through free agency so is this a guy we can consider regardless of which spot we fill between now and the draft and then the other consideration is how difficult is your defense to execute it is it a complex scheme uh, with a lot of substitution and a lot of personnel grouping changes Or is it a scheme that really you just kind of live by some basic rules and you just run and hit and play on instinct? Those play a factor in whether a young player like him, you know, can handle the added responsibility of lining up in multiple places. Uh, The other safety that I know you liked was Cameron Kinchin, some of the things he had to say today. Uh, Why don't you address that? And then I'll talk about 
uh, Kamari Lasseter a little bit along with Kalen Bullock. Yeah, Cam Kitchens, I love the connection there with uh, Jamil Adai, the quarterback's coach that we just hired. He recently uh, coached at the University of Miami as well as Georgia. So there were a couple players uh, talking to the media today that, that did have him as a position coach. And when you can make life easier for, for a prospect, for a first-year NFL player, by drafting somebody that when you get there, oh, your college coach is now going to be coaching you in yeah. the NFL. I think that makes the transition uh, much, much, much easier for for players in their first season at the next level. Uh, but I liked what he had to say. He said he, he's been watching Micah Hyde at the NFL level. He said he's one of the players who, who I followed. He says he... He likes a lot of his game, called him a great player, very instinctive, and said he wants to be able to take things from Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer as well. Yeah, and another guy that also had Jamal Adai as his coach was Kamari Lasseter mm-hmm. at Georgia, and I know you asked him about that, and you know he said, yeah, it'd be nice to have a familiar face walking in a door to the team that drafts you. So it, I think it gives, it gives a rookie who's like wide-eyed, not knowing what to expect, a little peace of mind to just kind of exhale a little bit and just go play football. So, yeah, I mean, you got a young teacher on Buffalo's staff now in the secondary, so it, you know they're going to have to add there because safety, I think, is a position that's going to turn over a little bit here in the offseason for Buffalo, and there may be a new corner ad, who knows, and where, whether it's draft or free agency, uh, if they can't get somebody like Dane Jackson back in the fold who's a free agent. So, yeah, there's, there could be a lot of moving parts uh, on the back end. The other kid uh, that I kind of took to a little bit was Kalen Bullock, the USC safety. And I think a lot of people underestimate him. And that's why I like walking over there and just seeing these guys because you get a feel for their size. Yep. Like Kamari Lasseter, the corner, he is put together. Like he is a solid one and broad shoulders. Like you don't worry about that guy if you watch him on tape coming up and run support as a corner. Because uh, I watched a lot of him, and he can do it. And then you see him, he's not even in pads, and he looks strong, big, sturdy, you know, frame. Kalen Bullock, you look at him, narrow-framed. Like, it's like, oh, man, is this guy going to be able to hold up in the NFL? Then go watch his tape. Uh, do not <laughs> let that guy's frame fool you. He is a – I think he's a violent tackler. He's a three-year starter at USC, and he rarely whiffs. Like, this is a guy that comes downhill in a hurry – and sometimes those guys take bad entry angles and they whiff on the tackle or just get an arm on a guy and he slides off. This guy usually hits the target, and uh, he said as much. It was funny because I was thinking that in my head, and then somebody was asking him about his tackle, and he goes, don't let this frame fool you. He goes, I like to hit. And if you watch his tape, he backs it up. So I think that's another guy that really isn't getting a lot of consideration at the safety position despite playing at a big school, you know, USC. So I'm, I'm interested to see where he goes. You know, we're talking like day two, day three. You know, is he, a, is he a late three, early four, or is he a late four, early five? Mm-hmm. I think, you know, that these are the ranges that are so uncertain. Like, we don't even know what the heck's going to happen at 28. We have no clue what is happening on day three. And, and that's kind of the mystery that really intrigues me especially when we get to day three and you still have all these good prospects on the board yeah another player that i like talking to today or hearing from today was cole bishop the safety out of utah and a lot of these safeties are being asked about can you cover a tight end that's going to be something that you have to do at an elite level in the nfl because if you're a tight end in the nfl 
you're an elite tight end. You're a tight end who, who has made it to the next level because you're one of the best. Uh, and he got to go up against Dalton Kincaid for a couple of seasons at Utah. And he said, oh, I... Uh, I credit a lot to Dalton Kincaid. I know how to cover a tight end because of Dalton Kincaid because I had the opportunity to go up against him in practices. He called him uh, a great friend. He said, that's my guy. He said, he's helped me a lot throughout this pre-draft process. We've been in contact with each other quite a bit. He said it was really fun to watch his rookie season, watch, uh, watch him catch ball after ball. He said he wasn't too surprised to see what he did in his first year. Yeah, he's another guy that played that star position in their 5-2 front at Utah. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing about him is, you know, you think about the Bills, they have a couple of fifth-round picks, they have a few sixth-round picks. You know, this is where they can start pulling talent off the board that's still there late, and I think Bishop's a guy that's going to be there, you know, in the middle to latter stages of day three. So you can get a prospect like that late in the draft, and maybe he's not, you know, a guy that's going to challenge for a starting role, but it's certainly a guy that can play on special teams for you and that you wouldn't mind having as a depth piece for you if, in fact, the unfortunate happens, you know, and you've got to put somebody in a starting lineup, hopefully later in the season when he's got a little more time under his belt than early in the season, but he's kind of an intriguing player as well. And, and you heard Brandon Bean say it with us earlier in the week. they got to hit on this whole draft. It's not like, hey, we hit on the first two picks. we got two more starters. That's great. With the amount of holes this team is going to need to fill in the offseason here due to cap constraints, after they get cap compliant, they're still going to be, you know, on a budgetary kind of approach. And 22 free agents right now, there's going to be a lot of holes to fill. You're going to need some of those fifth and sixth round picks to kind of be good enough to make your roster. Speaking of a position group on this roster, I don't think there's too many big holes here. But after hearing from some of the analysts today that we talked to, Field Yates talked about how great this cornerback class is. Cynthia Freeland talked about, hey, I I could maybe see the Bills going that way in this draft class. I'm starting to like this corner class more and more and more. I don't know if it's the biggest need for the Bills, but let me ask you this question. If the Bills decide to take a corner in this draft, when do you see it happening, if at all? Man, I, I mean, I like the talent at the top of the draft. I do. But I, don't, I just think there are more pressing positional mm-hmm. needs where you have to go somewhere else in round one and probably round two, maybe even round three. Now, look, I know that sometimes you fall into a best player available situation and maybe the value is absolute garbage at receiver and edge when you get to 28 and maybe you don't even like what there is at defensive tackle. I think those three positions kind of carry the day right now as primary ones that you have to fill, and safety is right behind those. Now, the value is not going to line up early, so you wait on the safety. Um, and as we said, we think they're going to address safety and free agency as well. You've got to get a veteran back there uh, to fill at least one of those holes. So, yeah, I mean, I know a lot of people aren't high on Kyer Elam, but I think if you look at Buffalo's roster, even without Dane Jackson in the fold right now because he's a free agent too, you know, you're talking Kyer Elam, Christian Benford, Rasul Douglas. You have three players there that I think are have the talent to start how it shakes out we'll see um to me you you just have to backfill that position mm-hmm. especially if they handle rasul douglas's contract and maybe they extend him out a year to reduce his cap figure this year you know so then you have three people under contract that have had time on the field 
and you've seen what they can do, I think you're looking to backfill corner. It's not a front-line thing like, we got to get one here you know, in our first three picks. I would say it's later. I right. really would. Right. Think about what they've done the last couple of years. Yeah. You know, like um, Austin Jackson, the kid from Oregon State, seventh-round pick. Probably you know, would have been good enough to make the roster had they not been chock-full of veterans. He ends up playing on another team in the league. He goes to Houston at the start of the year when he doesn't make the Bills 53. They pluck him off the Bills practice squad, put him on their 53. He washes out there because they added some veterans at corner. And then he goes and lands on a team in New England that had a pretty good defense but was a little light at corner. They move on from Jack Jones, if you remember. They got rid of him and threw him overboard because he was a problem. And they pick up Jackson, and he and he plays for them, and he's probably going to uh, challenge for a starting role there in New England this year unless they do something dramatic at corner themselves. So it, it, I think it's more of those later-round picks. That doesn't mean you can't find one. I mean, Dane Jackson served as a very good backup corner here I as like, a seventh-round yeah. pick. So there's no reason why the Bills can't do that again. I was going to say, I'd even like to see Dane Jackson back in a Bills uniform just because he's been such a solid backup for this team. When he's gone in games, I don't, none of us, I feel like, worry about um, can he do it? Can he cover that position? Can he cover whatever wide receiver he's going up against? He's proved that he is definitely capable of doing so. Um, Sticking with cornerback and just Kyir Elam, really, we heard from Brandon Bean earlier this week, and and he talked about Kyir Elam uh, as if it's a fresh start for him. You know, said, hey, he came out in the beginning of the year. We decided to sit him because that injury was a little bit too nagging. Um, didn't think he could play the position at the level we wanted to with the injury that we that he had, so we decided to sit him. He comes back at the end of the season, has some nice plays, but we want to see it from him more consistently. Do you believe this is a season that we see that from Kyir Elam? I want to say yes. Um, I It's hard for me because I've been kind of a backer of Kyir Elam the whole way through. I think the injury in training camp really set him back because in my estimation he was having a strong training camp and then he has the foot injury doesn't tell anybody as brandon kind of outlined for us and then he struggled to make plays because he's playing hurt um and then they finally shut him down and put him on ir to get his foot right and you know in what is his third career playoff game he makes his second career interception um Big play. I mean, points off the board for Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh, you know, in the wild card playoff game. And I just think he's scratching the surface. I mean, we, my office is right at the end of of the Bills Fieldhouse. So, you know, we're passing through that area an awful lot through the course of the workday. And I can't tell you during the season how many times Kair is out there by himself with the jugs machine, with somebody firing footballs at him. Just whenever there's downtime in their workday, which there isn't a lot of, but that guy's there on their off day on Tuesday, catching balls on the jugs machine, or he's working on his pedal and drop plant and drive, you know, technique and stuff. So I, I think it's there. I think it's in him. I just think the timing has to be right. And maybe that comes this year in training camp. Maybe he overtakes a guy like Rasul Douglas, who is an opportunist and a real instinctive ball hawk player, but doesn't have the physical skills that Kyrie Elam does to man up and press cover the best receivers in the league. To me, that's the difference, and then it becomes which one showcases their strengths better to get on the field and be the starter. I, I think it could be a hidden 
position battle that nobody's say, thinking about. This could be a fun about. competition during training camp yeah, to watch. I, I think it's a hidden position battle okay. that maybe nobody's thinking about. Um, and let's not forget this, too. As good as Christian Benford has been, staying healthy has been a problem mm-hmm. for him. So I think just by the nature of how things have played out, and for that matter, Douglas got hurt in the Miami game and wasn't right in the playoffs. When, after he missed the Steelers game, which got Kyrie on the field, he still wasn't right. He was dragging that leg around, you know, against Kansas City. I think it hurt the Bills on pass defense. It, it, after watching him walk, run around that first half, I might have put Kyrie in just because he was healthy. Um, but that's another story for another day. I, I think the there could be a sneaky position battle in training camp at cornerback because I think Kyrie is ready to take that next step. That's why I asked Brandon the other day, Maddie. We've seen so many Bills draft choices really emerge and blossom in year three. Think about the year Spencer Brown had last year in his third NFL season. Dawson Knox in his third NFL season had nine touchdown receptions. Taron Johnson in his third NFL season for the Bills took off and was a borderline Pro Bowl nickel corner. So there are plenty of examples. And Terrell Bernard, to his credit, did it in his second year with almost no starting experience. So there are players on this roster that have proven the player development on this staff is absolutely there. But it might take one extra year. And I think I'm, I'm hoping that Kyrie Elam falls uh, into that category. Not a lot to discuss as far as around the NFL goes because we've been talking to player prospects more than NFL GMs mm-hmm. and coaches here on this day at the NFL Scouting Combine. But there was one note uh, that came out concerning the hometown Indianapolis Colts. GM Chris Ballard basically confirmed that Michael Pittman, their star-wide receiver who is an impending free agent, will be a Colt in 2024. So that obviously means franchise tag or long-term contract extension. And, you know, the deadline to apply the tag is March 5th. It's coming up next week. So it'll be interesting to see if, if Ballard and his front office feel like they can get a contract extension done between now and then. Perhaps not. A lot of times these receivers that are going into the market, they don't necessarily want to be the ones setting the market unless they're blown away by a deal. And I don't anticipate that happening. But the thing for me that is encouraging about that is you've got the Bengals franchising T. Higgins. That means they're probably not taking a wide receiver at 18. You've got the Indianapolis Colts, I believe, at 15. And if they franchise or extend... Michael Pittman, I mean, I suppose it's possible they could still draft a receiver, but unlikely in round one, you know, they may have other needs that are more pressing, you know, like defensive tackle, uh, maybe a safety spot where they have some free agents. So the more of these teams in front of Buffalo that franchise receivers they drafted high just a few years ago to keep them in the fold, I think increases the likelihood that an Indy at 15 or a Cincinnati at 18 pass on receiver in round one and hopefully leaves more room for, you know, Brandon Bean, if necessary, to maybe move up a few spots because someone is sliding mm-hmm. at the receiver spot. That, that Anytime you're seeing a receiver get franchised or extended in this league, 
and they're picking ahead of the Bills, that's a good thing. Yeah, I like where your head's at, Brownie, especially especially hearing from some of these analysts about how some of these wide receivers, if that's a position that we're interested in at number 28, uh, might test really well, might run the, the 40 uh, extra fast, and if that happens, that might push him up on some people's boards. That might push him up in terms of when he gets drafted uh, in this upcoming draft at the end of April. April. But yeah, Colts are number 15. Just checking a couple mock drafts. It looks like edge rusher and cornerback are, are two positions I've seen mocked uh, to the Colts. Okay. Yeah, and that's, that's, that's fine good. by that's me. That's good. It's fine by me. Go ahead and do that. Because <laughs> uh, we're just trying. I mean, are we really trying hard here? We're, we're not even in March yet, you know, here on Leap Day. And we're trying our darndest to find a way to push receiver talent down to 28. Just keep pushing it down. Have somebody there for us. Because uh, it's, really, it's a really good receiver class, as we know. But my concern is, you know, to your point, you're going to have some of these guys run really fast times, have really big vertical leaps, look great in the receiver drills, and they're going to they're gonna help themselves, which is great for the kid, but not great for the Bills, which is really what our number one priority is around here. Uh, we have a chock-full menu again for you today. Coming up in about 10 minutes, we'll be joined by NFL Network's chief insider, Ian Rappaport. Going to talk to him about a couple of things, not just concerning the Bills, but around the league as well. The Legereus Sneed tag and trade idea. What's going to happen there? What are the odds of that uh, unfolding uh, in a way for the Chiefs that helps them ultimately? We'll check in with him on that, among other topics. Then a little bit later, we check in with our good friend Field Yates from ESPN. He helps us all through the season with our ultimate fantasy lineups. But he's kind of getting back to his roots a little bit as a scout, and he's been doing a lot more draft coverage on ESPN.com. So we're going to check in with him on some of the guys that are going to light up the testing uh, at the Combine. So we'll get some names from him on that. Second hour of the show, Cynthia Freeland, our good friend on the NFL Network, she will literally crunch the numbers for us, talk <laughs> about some popular metrics that apply to receiver mm-hmm. success, you know, like set, set target separation and things like that. So we'll kind of crunch some numbers with her. And then uh, last half hour of the show, a little over an hour from now, we'll check in with NFL Network insider Tom Pelissero. So two of the three guys on the insiders on NFL Network, and then a scout background guy in Field Yates, and then the analytics guru, Cynthia Freeland. I mean, that is, that's an all-star lineup right there. Yeah, we've had all-star lineups all week long, Brownie. It's been fun to have all these people on the show. And I think help everybody shape their thoughts for this upcoming draft Absolutely. and free agency. That's so. That's why I love being here so much is because you can look at these mock drafts. You can see where some depth is in, in free agency. You can see the holes in the Bills roster, but it's really nice to hear from analysts um, where they believe depth is in this upcoming draft class, um, who they like at number 28 for the Bills. I think this week, we've really learned about one thing that's stuck out in my mind is the defensive line position for the Bills. And if that's an option for them at 28, I'm I'm becoming more and more convinced that that's an area they could be looking at with their first pick uh, in the draft in April. Yeah, I think I think there's a strong and look, we don't know what's going to fall to them at 28. Right. So much can happen in front of them, not only in terms of what each of those teams preferences are, but teams can jump up ahead of them. And now the now the preferences change again. And we don't know what's going to be left for the Bills at 28 and whether they decide to move up a few spots and what have you. 
But I think it's pretty safe to assume that probably the top three positions that they would prefer to address at 28 is edge, defensive tackle, wide receiver. I think those are the top three. And if the value fits, well, then great. If it does, I I don't know what it is. There's something about, I know it's late in the first round, Maddie, but I, I, I find myself coming to the conclusion that there's got to be some value at one of those three positions at 28, no matter which way it falls. And I know we're going to talk to some of our guests later on in the show about that. Like, for example, offensive tackle, it's a good class at the top. You could have six offensive tackles go in front of the Bills at 28. You could ha- you're going to have at least three quarterbacks, but maybe there's four. I mean, maybe in a crazy world there's five uh, corner that you already mentioned. Maybe there's six corners that come off the board in front of the Bills. Well, okay, that's six tackles, six corners, and four quarterbacks, let's just say. I mean, that's 16 picks right there, and you haven't even talked about a defensive player. And I think Brock Bowers is going to go up there, too. That's a tight end. That's another guy pushing people down. So uh, I fingers and toes crossed here that the right value at the positions that the Bills are looking at at least drops into that area where maybe if it doesn't get all the way to 28 at least it's in striking distance for Brandon to go up a few spots and get one of those guys. And speaking of position value, wide receiver, edge rusher, defensive tackle are great positions to go after in the first round when you think of contracts, when you think of how much these players are worth in the NFL and if they're worthy drafting these types of position groups in the first round, knowing that you're going to have this guy under a rookie contract for more than a few seasons thinking about Buffalo's cap situation, not just this year, but years in the future. They went tight end last year in the first round, which some may say is an interesting position group as it relates to contracts within the first round, getting that second contract, paying X money for a rookie tight end being drafted in the first round. So you want to be... If you can, you probably want to marry it up as perfect as possible. Hey, these are three great position groups to go after in the first round because these are three position groups that command a lot of money on the open market within that second contract. Even if you're looking at some of these players in free agency, maybe this is why they're looking at these three position groups uh, in the first round in the NFL draft, knowing where the bills are at, knowing what they have to do to become cap compliant, and knowing how the market could change over the next few years these are premier positions people pay a lot of money for these positions so if you can hit a home run in the first round of the nfl draft get a player who can play right away who can start all season in that first year that's a position group that you don't have to worry about or a position that you don't have to worry about paying for the next couple of years yeah, it's cost control uh for lack of a better term let's go to the phones at 803-0550 while we have a few minutes here before we get to our guest lineup for the show today and uh we'll go to ted in kenmore let me get over here and pull him up ted what do you got for us here on one bills live hey, good afternoon i uh rowdy i i couldn't agree with you more with rasul douglas and uh my comment is that i don't know why mcdermott is so hell bad that like rasul douglas he was dragging his leg but to put a uh somebody else in there same thing with Klein. It was it was a shame to watch that game, and when we had Williams on the sideline, and 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 why is uh, McDermott so hell bent on not playing these younger guys? It's just it, it's mind boggling to me. And and as far as that goes, I was telling the person that answered, 
uh, I'm glad that uh, Hyde and Poyer, they're, they're, I mean, they're spent. They're old guys. You got to get young guys. You have to get the movement like Kansas City did. But I couldn't agree with you more with uh, Rasul Douglas. The poor guy was dragging his leg out there. And why you wouldn't put somebody else in there is beyond me. And uh, I'm glad, Maddie, that you're on the show today. I like looking at you better than Steve. So I appreciate your time and waiting for your answer. <laughs> okay, yeah, Ted, no problem. Um, yeah, I'll say that, you know, the, the thing about that is I understand the game's super important. You want to go with the guys that you trust. But there is there is a decision you have to make there. Even if you want to start the guy that might not be 100% healthy, you say, okay, Guy's not 100% healthy. He says he can go. Let's see how he looks. Mm -hmm. And then if he looks like he is deficient and not up to his normal self, the next question you have to ask is, is he hurting us more by playing, or is there enough value to his capabilities in this injured state to still help us win a football game? And sometimes that's something that gets lost in all that you're focused on in the game. And that's when you rely on your position coaches to say, hey, coach, uh, Rasul's really struggling out there. We may want to think about making a change there. Uh, he's really having trouble. He's not saying anything, but just watching him and observing him, he just doesn't look like himself. And, and that's where you've got to lean on your staff to notice those details and say, look, we're getting killed over here because he can't play the way he normally does. We've got to get a fresh body, a healthy body out there, and maybe he's not a guy we – trust in every situation but we don't have a better option right now we got to turn to that now fast forward to this year maddie i don't think coach mcdermott and his staff are going to have a choice yeah this is going to be a much younger roster they're not going to have some veteran option to turn to in the 11th hour they're going to have to make it work with a lot of these younger players in some pretty sizable roles that I think might surprise some people by the time we get to September. You know what, and I like that. I like having to throw guys out there in the first year of their NFL careers and have them figure it out from day one because I think back to the season that the Bills had the last two years as it relates to injuries and how injuries came on stronger and stronger at the end of the year, and then you're relying on younger players like, hey, Here's your turn to step up and play. You maybe haven't had a game experience yet at the NFL level, but here it is, week 16, week 17, first round of the playoffs. You're going to play your first few snaps. I love having younger guys have a warm-up period. Figure it out the first six to eight weeks of the season, and by November, by December, by January, when these games truly matter, you're locked in. You yeah. understand the defense. You understand the offense, and you can play at a high level next to the veterans. You may have to take some lumps. There may be some ugly plays, but you hear players say it all the time. The best way to get better and to learn is to play the game. And that might be an approach that the Bills coaching staff is going to be forced to take this year with the turnover we're all anticipating. Got to take a break here. When we return, NFL Network's chief insider, Ian Rappaport, joins us to talk about some of the league goings-on with respect to some key players that either enter free agency or get tagged or maybe even traded. That's coming your way next here on One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. This is Buffalo Bills Radio.
Welcome into One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Matty Glab, coming to you live from the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Pleased to be joined by Chief NFL Insider for the NFL Network, one Ian Rappaport. Good to have you here. What's up? I know What's you're busy, on? so thanks for giving oh, us my cord is a little bit of time. Me. You'll I'm be good. okay. You'll be okay. okay. Uh, first, right off the bat here, we've got a bill situation for this offseason where, as you know, about $50 million over the cap. Yep. They've got top five in number of free agents on their roster, 22 total. And then uh, they've got 10 draft choices with which to replenish that roster, along with probably some budgetary free agent signings. Do you see this year being different for them in terms of what you think their roster is going to probably look like when we get to September? Because the general consensus is... There's going to be a little bit of a youth movement here with this roster. It's going yeah. to turn over. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking, right? I mean, the Bills are in a really, really good place, right? When you're consistently good, what happens is you have a quarterback that you need to pay, and they did it already. Mm-hmm. And you have a bunch of young stars who you need to pay, and they've actually done that with a lot of the really, really good players, right? And so the only way to sustain is you let guys go. And you say, like, if have we replaced this guy in the roster? Well, if we have... Then, you know, he gets he goes into free agency. He gets to go somewhere else, make a lot of money, and I trust that this personnel department. The Bills happen to have a very, very good personnel department. I trust that my guys can replace them. Yeah. And we've seen the really good teams over the years have been willing to say this fan favorite who we love and we would love to have on the team has to go to free agency, and that is okay because I trust that we can either replace him or replace his contribution somewhere else. Well, speaking of exactly that, who do you think is somebody who could be a surprise cap casualty on the Bills? Well, I don't want to go there yet because cap casualties can go a couple different directions. Mm -hmm. They can go a, hey, you're you're cut, certainly could happen. Or it could be a, hey, would you accept this pay cut and, you know, or go out and see your value. We, We view here now, given your age, go out and see your value, and if you want to come back to us, do that. It's just, you know, so it, it's, there's not that that many, like, all right, just, right. you know, cuts. I mean, I have some thoughts in my head, obviously, yeah. um, but there's so many moving parts. And I think one thing with the Bills that makes it a little more complicated is guys like to be there, and it's a good culture, and, like, it's a good place, so sometimes guys would be willing to take a little bit less to stay. Yeah, and we saw that to some extent, and... There's a compensatory formula that Brandon Bean's taken advantage of, too, of late. That's pretty interesting, too. Tremaine Edmonds is probably going to give them a compensatory pick. Maybe Leonard Floyd signs on the free agent market for big money this yep. offseason. They get another one next year. So it'll be interesting to see if Brandon continues to play that game. You had some news concerning Legereus Sneed and the Chiefs. A tag and trade is an option here. Yeah. Um, something we haven't seen all too often in recent years anyway. I remember back in the back in the old days you used to have sign and trades and then that kind of went away. Tag and trade. Tell me about this as the Chiefs yeah, are trying to like maybe explore new ground to remain Super Bowl contenders themselves. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because they've actually done this before, not a tag and trade, but they've yeah. done this model before. Tyreek Hill was at the end of his deal. And everyone says, well, you know, obviously you've got to pay Tyreek Hill. one of your best players. And instead they traded him for a ton of draft picks and rebuilt their entire defense yeah. thanks to his. In one offseason, right, it seems. in one offseason. And, like, that's how you do it, right? And so I think if you're the Chiefs and you say, we love LeJarrius Sneed. He is a great player. We would love to have him on the roster. But we have Patrick Holmes. We have Kelsey. We have a lot of other highly paid players. And we'd love to keep Chris Jones, whatever that costs. LeJarrius Sneed is a guy you can part ways with. And... It's also, again, important to remember the reason you got him was you spent a fourth-round pick very wisely 
and developed him. Trust that you can do that and be willing to part ways with him and take the draft pick conversation yeah. and go at it again. Let's look at the AFC East a little bit. The Jets need to invest in their offensive line. Free agency, the draft, however you do that. We said it last year, and it wasn't the case with how it all, <laughs> all kind of worked <laughs> out. Do you believe they will do it this offseason? And then a two-parter here for you. Zach Wilson and his camp granted permission to seek a trade. How do you see that going? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I do believe they will rebuild their uh, offensive line. I think last year, you know, the Steelers jumped them, but they weren't going to take a tackle anyway, believing that Dwayne Brown was their left tackle. And, you know, 38 years old. Yeah, that's... um, That was a mistake. I think it's okay to say that was a mistake. Now, that said, Aaron Rodgers stays healthy. They're probably still in the playoffs and whatever. But I do think they're going to rebuild their offensive line. And, you know, look, the really good players, the really good teams have really good offensive line. I mean, the Bills have spent on the offensive line, and that's been really wise. Like, that's how you do it. Yeah. Um, so I do think they'll do that. As far as Zach Wilson, you know, I don't know when he's going to – I do believe he's going to be traded. I don't know when. A lot of times, especially if it's for a late rounder, it happens around the time of the draft because you get through free agency – the backup quarterbacks take a little bit of a while, and then you say, like, all right, like, how do we fill in this hole? So that's – I could see that going that Okay. Way. Okay. Uh, let's look at the Patriots, third overall pick. And some people are like, they're definitely taking a quarterback. They're definitely taking a quarterback. But, Ian, their offense is a mess in terms of talent on the offensive side of the ball. There is, there is some merit, I think, to the thought of let's build up the offensive roster first, maybe get a bridge veteran quarterback, yeah. and then draft the QB – but I can see them saying, "Hey, we may not be up here again. Let's right. get the guy." What do you? How do you? How do yeah. you think they're thinking with Elliot Wolf there in the front? These office? are the conversations. It's like, all right, we can, we can build. We can build in a perfect way. We can get everything we want. A lot, you know, extra first rounders. We can do it perfectly, and get a quarterback next year. Except, what if you are the team that just decided not to draft? Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, whoever it is, right? Or like Jaden Daniels this year, or somebody like that. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Like, what if that's who they? What if that's who Jaden Daniels becomes? Are you the team who said, "I'd rather get this tackle than the franchise quarterback"? And we don't have to worry about it. Like, I think of what the Bills did a lot, right? Like, I think when they when they traded up for Josh Allen, a lot of people thought it was too much. Turns out it was too little. It's getting Josh <laughs> Allen literally priceless. Mm-hmm. It's worth whatever. Right, and so to me, as long as you get the guy, you figure everything else out. But that's what if the Patriots think that one of those guys is a guy, then the answer is simple. If they aren't sure, the answer is much more complicated. Yeah, Ian, thanks for the time. We appreciate it. We know you're busy. Uh, get back on that beat, and uh, we'll continue to tune into NFL Network to see what other news you got to break here this week. Thanks for the time. Awesome, really appreciate it, guys. Take care. That's NFL Network Chief Insider Ian Rappaport joining us. We'll take a break and be back with more here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Welcome back to the NFL Combine here in Indianapolis. Chris Brown, Maddie Glab, and pleased to be joined now by our good friend, ESPN's Field Yates, joining us here. He is doing some wall-to-wall Combine coverage yeah. here. The pre-draft process is underway in earnest. And, Field, we got testing coming up now. We're at yeah. that portion of the week where the testing starts. Who are you most excited to watch 
once these drills get rolling here? Do you have like a few favorites we should keep an eye on? Yeah, so I mean, there are guys, there are guys who are going to absolutely like tests, like I mean, just in a bonkers level. Uh, Texas defensive tackle Byron Murphy, the second, should be an absolute standout this okay. upcoming week. Edron Cooper, linebacker mm-hmm. from Texas A&M, is going to be an absolute star as well. You're going to have some very fast players. Nate Wiggins, cornerback from Clemson, is going to run like crazy. Xavier Worthy, wide receiver from Texas, is mm. going to be very fast as well. Uh, if any of the top flight wide receivers are going to run, it's going to catch my attention. But I actually find the guys that are most interesting right now, the players that maybe have something on the line here this week as far as their 40 time is concerned. So I think that Keon Coleman, who has been a popular target for the right. Buffalo Bills in yep. mock drafts, yep. is an absolute star prospect. I think he's absolutely terrific. I love everything about his makeup. I think he's a heck of a football player. His 40 time this upcoming week is going to define the range for him. Mm. If he runs 4-4-2 or something like that, which I don't think he will, that's probably uh, uh, that would be a generous guess. But that's like lock him into the top 15. If he runs 4-4-8, that might mean, hey, he's a top 25 pick, no questions okay. about it. If you run 4-5-8, which I, I have no idea where the number is going to end up, but that has been the question is what's the long speed look like? Then I think people say to yourself, like, historically, how many players at a 4-5-8 have been taken in the first round at wide receiver? So he's an example of a guy that um, I might still throw the number out because I think the player is so darn good. But those are the kind of uh, numbers that I think matter most this week. Okay. Kool-Aid McKinstry, cornerback from Alabama, I would say similar boat. That 40 times is going to go a long way in solidifying kind of the range for him. Okay. Yeah, let's take this a step further because there are going to be some guys that jump out the gym this yeah. weekend when it comes to testing. Not me. Is there, <laughs> come on, Field, you yeah. can do it. Is there anybody else that's been available in the range of where the Bills are picking at number 28 in mock drafts, at least right now, that may be gone well before the Bills get to number 28 if they test very well this weekend. Have, has anybody that hasn't played receiver been mocked to a Bills at 28? Or is a, that a, is a that couple a of defensive linemen. Okay. Johnny, Johnny Newton, a, yep. Chop Robinson. Yeah. yeah, I can see those. That's that's really about okay, it. That's it. All right. So I, I, I thought it was a law that it was recently passed by Congress <laughs> that you had to mock a wide receiver to the Bills. But Brian Thomas Jr. is probably the name that comes to mind specific to what you're asking. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, you can tell he's fast on tape. The question yeah. is, like, how fast is fast? And the answer might be somewhere in the four threes. If he runs a four three something uh, with 17 receiving touchdowns this past season, most in all of SBS, yeah. I think the best second level accelerator in the entire class. Like, it might take him a second to get up to speed, and then that, like, you know, yards 10 through 40 for him are going to be absolutely terrific. 1 through 10, by the way, might be great as well, but yeah. you really see it once he gets past that first level. Uh, he's exceptional and just a big play waiting to happen when you have what, the strongest armed quarterback or, you know, what, whatever. If Josh isn't number one, he's, you know, no worse than three or four, right? Um, and you can cut through the wind no problem. Then you, you need guys like that. Mm-hmm. And, of course, with Gabe Davis as a pending free agent, uh, the need for a, a vertical you know, perimeter receiver could really matter a lot. So Brian Thomas Jr. would be a good example. A.D. Mitchell from Texas, same deal, six foot four, hundred and ninety six pounds. Um, big, big game player. He's played in five college football playoff game because he transferred from Georgia yeah. to Texas, scored a touchdown in all five of those games. What a life. Loves killing Alabama, too. Yeah, he made Alabama fans not like him very much. So, <laughs> um, you know, how many Bills, I'm trying to think of Bills, Alabama players are going to have to settle a score with AD uh, if they do draft him. But he's another guy that if he runs somewhere in the 4-4s, four 4-4-5, four, 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 then uh, he might have solidified, like, you know, top 25-ish range. Yeah. It's hard when you pick at 28. Like, all right, we're putting, right. We're putting glue change. on the bottom of their shoes to make them, like, yeah. 
Yeah, that's Take right. A well, bit, I, a little I, bit longer. Whisper in their ear if you're over yards. there. Hey, run a slow time. Bills but really then, like yeah. to get you at 28. Like. Didn't I see that uh, that clip go uh, on, on the internet recently again? Uh, Brandon Bean talking about how he wanted Gabe to, to run, run slow. slow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I get it. I see where they're coming from. Uh, I know this is probably hard to make a call on because when no. you're picking 28, there's yeah. a lot of stuff that's going to happen in front of the Bills. But could you foresee a position or two that you think is still going to hold very good value down there at 28? Because I think a lot of Bills fans are hoping, okay, there's a quarterback run that even goes beyond the top three, and that pushes some talent down. Bills don't really need an offensive tackle. Maybe five going front. That can push some talent down. Where do you think the positional value could be good, strong for the Bills at 28? Okay, so I don't know if this is specific to the Bills only, but a couple of spots where I think you're going to see like a decent run in the range that they are at. I mean, there's a wide receiver run because there's just so many good wide receivers. I think there's a cornerback run that's maybe larger than people realize. Mm-hmm. I certainly think that uh, you can make a case for six or seven first-round caliber cornerbacks in this year's class. I don't know how much of a priority it will or won't be to address the interior of the offensive line for the Bills. That might be something that is either solved or creates more need after free agency, but there are a couple of interior offensive linemen that I think yeah. could be very, very good values late in the first round. Graham Barton from Duke's a name you're going to hear a lot about. Can play maybe all five positions. He was a left tackle for the past three years after playing center as a true freshman. I actually went back and I recently pulled up the 2020 tape from Graham Barton. It's fun to see a kid and how far he's come in just three years. Oh wow! He looked good. As, he looked great as a freshman. I'll tell you that much. But uh, it just continues to get better. Um, so. Cornerback, wide receiver, interior offensive line, probably a few spots where uh, you could see a couple of good to very good prospects pushed down just because the receipt, I'm sorry, because the quarterbacks go early yeah, and maybe people feel like, yeah, so those offensive tackle spots certainly yep. will be addressed early as well. So you spoke at length with Mel Kuyper on your podcast about the number one pick, the trade options, yeah. whether it be trading Justin Fields or the first pick. Why is number one so intriguing this year? Yeah, the Bears have so many options. And what's amazing about the Bears is that and actually Mike Greenberg on Get Up this morning, he, he, I thought, said it well. Like They've got so much influence at their fingertips because not only do they have the number one pick, they have Justin Fields. All right, so if you trade Justin Fields, where you trade him, that impacts things. How much you trade him for, that impacts things. Whoever you trade him to, that means that two or three other suitors for Justin Fields have to find another option, right? Um, so, by the way, if you have two or three teams trying to acquire Justin Fields, then the price tag for Justin Fields goes up. I don't yeah. think it's going to boom into the first round, but you might get a second-round pick plus, uh, sort of like the Sam Darnold trade from the Jets to the Panthers whatever that was, three years ago now, two years ago. I've, time's relative. Um, <laughs> and then beyond that, if you're the Bears, if you want to trade down from number one, the question is, how far do you want to go? Because there are some people that feel like, hey, the commanders should trade up from two to one because they think that the commanders with Cliff Kingsbury, they want to draw the connection between he and Caleb Williams at USC this past year. Moreover, some people feel like Caleb Williams is in a class unto himself. Others feel like it's pretty close between mm. these three players at that quarterback spot. So if you're the Bears... If you want to go from one to two, you might get a haul from Washington that also includes you getting the quarterback that you think mm. is even better at pick two, right? Yeah. Um, meanwhile, if you're the Bears, you want to go from one to eight. If you thought the package that Ryan Poles got last year was significant, imagine what it could be in a second straight year of doing so when there's three quarterbacks available and more than three teams who need a quarterback. So 
fascinating, fascinating dilemma for Ryan Poles. Um, I'd imagine, I think he said this a couple of days ago in his media, that like pretty much he just like his he has turned his phone on Do Not Disturb now because he just gets so many calls. Yeah, I think someone's going to overpay a ton. Yeah, like maybe we've never point. seen before. You know what's crazy is go back. Do you guys recall the compensation that the Bills paid from twelve to seven a few years ago? It wasn't. It wasn't crazy to go from twelve to. They seven. They did not give up a one. Yeah, it was like and, wasn't it like a two and something else. And not and they didn't give up a future pick either. Yeah, was, they gave up picks in that draft to get from twelve to seven. It's amazing. Like if that trade happened again, like again, it's a masterstroke trade for a million reasons. Most notably that Josh Allen's an absolute stud. Um, but you're right. The tax this year is astronomical in these top three quarterbacks. I, I keep saying it. The top being a top three pick this year absolutely stinks for the two teams that didn't get there on their own, Washington and New England. That's a terrible year they just both went through. But it's and uh, Chicago got it through Carolina. It's so valuable. Yeah. I mean, these these three quarterbacks we can sit here until April twenty fifth and nitpick them here, Nick pick them there. The kids are all really good players. They're really, really good players and have a lot of value for yeah. that reason. Uh, last one I've got for you concerns a dilemma I'm having yep. at the safety position. And, you know, we know some of the top safety prospects in the draft and everything, and we're probably looking more day two, day three for the safety class. Um, James Williams from Miami. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand player. why he's not getting more pub. I mean, I'm not saying he's Tyler Newbin or maybe he's not even his teammate, Cam yeah. Kinchins, but kid is 6'3", 230 pounds, and he runs and hits. Yeah. And, and so I'm now I'm thinking, like, man, I wonder if in a bad linebacker class, you could line that guy up at linebacker. He's big enough. I think his destiny might be as a linebacker. Weak side linebacker, although, you know what? Maybe any linebacker spot. I know the Bills haven't always emphasized this, yeah. like, hulking linebackers with, you know, obviously Bernard having a breakout season last year and Milano becoming one of the best players in all the NFL. Uh both sort of were undersized and they yeah. are imposing mm-hmm. linebackers. Well, what do you think about his position versatility and yeah. then, you know, maybe just strictly as a safety? I think he's, I think if he ends up at one or the other, it actually is a linebacker. Okay. Spot. Okay. Uh, you know, the big question when you have a safety that big is like, how does he handle some like the deep field responsibility? Yep. Opening the gate, getting, you know, covering the half field. Yep. How do you actually, you know, you got Tyreek Hill and Garrett Wilson in your division. Can you run with those guys down the field? But I'll say this about James Williams. Uh, the selflessness to go to the Senior Bowl and take snaps at linebacker was impressive. Like some guys are saying, "Why would I listen? I'm one of the best players in the country. I'm not going and changing positions." But second of all, when I saw him in the linebacker group, I was doing double takes. He's bigger than the rest of those guys. Yeah. I mean, he is like a Hulk. He is massive out there. So, an intriguing player who I think will test very well this week here at the Combine as well. The height, weight, speed is close to off the charts for James Williams. Okay. Yeah. So there's another guy that's going to test really, really well. Very, very well. Okay. Yeah, the safety class is intriguing, as you said. It's not star-laden, but there's some guys out there okay. for sure. Yep. Last one for me, another intriguing player, Cooper DeGene. Yeah. Mel Kuyper loves him. Mel Kuyper loved him last year when he was yeah. looking at Iowa tape. Do you see him as a cornerback or a safety? Because you get different answers from different analysts. He where even, do you see him yeah. playing? He even was talking about it today. Yeah, yeah. he said, I don't care where, where I play. I just want to play. Yeah, um, I think he's a corner. But the reason why I say that is because he's been a corner, right? Like, he's a safety if, if he wants to, if your team has zero need for cornerback. But he's a corner that can play safety. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's you know he's played in a variety of different spots for Iowa, but was that his best? I mean, he's unafraid, and they, they used him this way. Like, just put him up in, in the face of your number one wide receiver and let him go toe-to-toe with him. He can do so mm. in man coverage. And the bonus for Cooper DeGene, on top of the fact that he is versatile and can play corner, can play safety, 
springy athlete at the point of contact. Like he is got terrific ball skills. But the big bonus, he could be the best punt returner in the NFL. I mean, he's an absolutely incredible punt return man as well. The yeah, Bills the one got called have, back against Minnesota. Yeah, cost very controversial the game. play this past year. And you know, the Bills obviously have an incredibly fast Deontay Hardy, who had one of the biggest punt returns in the past five years in the oh, NFL yeah. with that 96-yarder against yeah. Miami. That being said, a team that's interested in Cooper DeGene is not going to hate the fact that he's an electric returner as well. Awesome. Great kid, too. I mean, a ton of high-character kids in this year. So that cornerback class, like Ennis Rakestraw Jr., mm. Cooper DeGene, I'd take those guys. i take 22 of them on my team and feel really good about it. Field, thanks for the time, as always. We appreciate way, it. Really happy to Thursday. see Thursday, yeah. I know that. Look at that. We lined it all up. But yeah. Good to see you getting back to your right roots, too, to scouting you know players what? again. Also, how about this? I was trying to figure out. I, I walked by some vending machine the other day, and I'm like, this thing is fully stocked with Diet Dr. Peppers. What's going on here? <laughs> that's when I knew that Maddie was filling in for Steve. So, yeah, that's yeah. right. There was stuff left in the machine. That's right. I get that's it. right. So, Field, thanks. Is, is there like uh, I He's on was like, I figured there was like a Sabres homestand. He didn't want yeah. to miss. So. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for the time. He still has invited me to one of his uh, one of his games with his yeah. tickets. So. Oh, he'll get you there. Just tell him when you're coming in town. We yeah. got to take a break. We're All back right. with much more here on One Bills Live, presented by Kalata Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Presented by Kaleida Health. Welcome back to the NFL Combine in Indianapolis here. Hour number two on a Thursday. Chris Brown, Maddie Glad with you. And pleased to be joined by our good friend who you also see on Bill's preseason telecasts with Steve Tasker and Andrew Catalan. Cynthia Freeland joining us from the you NFL let, Network. You let Tasker have the day off? Tasker is spending a week on vacation. Yeah. So... This is a vacation. What's he doing? He's visiting his baby granddaughter, <laughs> okay. his new baby okay, granddaughter. Okay, okay. So. Well, I guess a baby. You got me with baby, but like, you know. Yeah, right? Can't let Come Tasker. On, Tasker. Yeah, Tasker. Come on. All right, so <laughs> I'm not going to pretend to know all the different metrics that you're dicing up left, right, and center for the combine and stuff, but we're the receivers kind of dominating the conversation here for the Bills, knowing that there's a good chance Gabe Davis leaves via free agency, hold to fill. So separation for wide receivers, I seem to remember seeing metrics for you with with receiver separation. Does that correlate positively to catch rate and yards after catch? Like help me with that and spell it out, you know, in terms of trying, because we're trying to narrow down the kind of receiver that might best fit that number two role to improve catch rate and yards after catch. But really like, like if you want, if you're a fan and you want like a, a good sort of prototype, now, Marvin Harrison Jr. probably the best receiver in this class, mm-hmm. but Romo Dunze out of Washington has that probably what I don't want to call Gabe what they want from Gabe, what they wanted from Gabe, right? Yeah. Like you know, like playoff Gabe. <laughs> we love playoff Gabe exactly, and that's the te- like. I guess what what I'm saying is that when you're looking at someone's resume and body of work here at the at the combine, it's less about one specific thing and speed of course is good but the 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 weird part about the way defenses are playing in college like some guys play three three five have fun with that that's Mm -hmm. a nightmare Mm -hmm. to figure out texas does that just so you're curious who 
What's better is take a snapshot at the moment the ball release is released from the quarterback's hand and see who is open or running to open space. Okay. And that's the most predictive in terms of who can create. Set. Like I'm talking how a fan can do it. You know, like when you're watching when right. you're watching at right. home. Yeah. yeah. And watch Rome. Because that guy, he can create separation, and can, he also is great with contested catches, which is another thing that, unfortunately, in the division you're in, that's going to be a problem. You need you need to have some contested catches. Right. <laughs> unfortunately, well, fortunately, right? But you know. Yeah. Sorry, it's a hard division. No, I get it. I get it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. No, you're fine. It's not getting easier. <laughs> yeah, it's only going to get harder. That's for sure. Uh, you released an article about analytical fits for team. Is there an analytical fit for Buffalo, and why? Well. I released that before we saw that the cap number mm-hmm. went up $30 million. I estimated between 15 and $20 million. So that extra 10, that's going to change a lot of things. Like who can be re-signed for how much, what's the defense going to look like? Because if I were going to just like, like just, we don't know what Brandon means going to do in free agency, whatever. Like if I were to just drop in right now, knowing that Gabe Davis kind of tweeted a goodbye or whatever posted, like, there are a number of good receivers that could, unfortunately, the Bills, you're picking too low again, man. Yeah, like 28. It's not great. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just a low nut. Like, it's it's great because if you have a great season, but, like, right. you know, it's it's kind of, see, it's a little easier to pick when it's, like, six, you know, five. No, no Romo Dunze for the Bills. No, you're not going to get Romo Dunze. But, you know, it's, it's figuring out that flavor and the right, like, is there the right corner available? Mm-hmm. That could be interesting because... I think that could be an area to bolster. All right, so let's take that a step further because round one, you see a lot of NFL clubs gravitate towards the premium positions. Yep. Corner, quarterback, offensive tackle, pass rusher, wide receiver. Yep. Is there analytic support Mm -hmm. for drafting those premium positions? Because there's always exceptions, we know. You know, Dalton Kincaid last year was an exception and a good one. But, But he's like a receiver. Do you know what I mean? That's, like, yes, that's true. He's but not does like the blocking tight end? Do the analytics mean? support taking those premium positions high? They do, but but high to me is like sixteen, fifteen. Not twenty eight's not really high anymore. I mean, okay, you know, it's like yeah, the difference between like if you had and you're not in this position, but in this draft class, there are a number of good tight ends. I if you were able to get like the like Brock Bowers, whatever. Not the Bills shouldn't do this, but just saying like as the overall. The way that the tight end position and the value of the tight end position, especially in recent years, if you're a pass-catching tight end, that could be valuable enough. Like, so it's really more what it, what do I need and like what do other people think I need? Because like trading down and getting equity, like an extra fourth-round pick, right. or something, that's a really good plan. But at 28, it's kind of like, well, you're practically in the second round anyway. And also, like, you're just not going to get the the coveted, you know, trade for. You're not you're not in a spot where someone's gonna be like, hey, I gotta come up and get a quarterback. Like, unless something weird happens, I guess you could whatever. But you know, like you're not gonna like some team right. in, the, in the second round is like, oh, I'll come up and give you what? I don't know. But to me, it's it's you're probably gonna pick best available there for what you need. Well, let's talk about that 28th overall pick that the Bills have in the first round. They're looking for players, and and Brandon Bean has said this. They're looking for players who can play now because yep. of their cap situation. Yes, the number is higher than expected, but the Bills have a lot of work to do to become cap (laughs) compliant so if you're drafting at number 28 you're gonna want somebody who can play right away we saw Dalton Kincaid play right away as well as Osiris Torrance and it worked out really well for those two players who are you looking at at number 28 that could be available for for the Bills that could be a plug-and-play player (sighs) my Toledo cornerback won't be available yeah Quinion yeah Quinion like he's he's gonna be gone he's gonna be gone like a month ago I would have said 
that would have been a great pick. But now. Yeah. <laughs> Lit up the senior bowl. And, I know. Yeah. But good and it's going to test well. And Yeah. Yeah. So I, that, that was kind of what I was looking at before. I do think that it depends on how some of these wide receivers look to and, and where it goes. Like there could be some weird runs on things. Perhaps you go with another corner, but I pass rusher. Those are the two that I'm sort of looking at immediately. I, I will have to see how it shakes out though in free agency though, because that's going to be the key. Right. And unfortunately they'll have to show their hands. Right. And safety is not a premium position. It's not a great class this year. But I was about to say more is, but it's not. Yeah. There's going to be turnover on the Bills roster at that Has position. So with that in mind, I think we're all anticipating Brandon's going to address that to some extent in free agency to try to fill yes. some of the voids there. But how do you approach a position group like that when it's not a premium position and the class isn't good? Like, you've got to look to your back end yeah. value. Yeah. And does, I guess the question is, do non-premium positions present ultimate value in a certain area yeah. or is it just strictly round five six seven like what are we talking about the fact that like see you say you frame it really perfectly right that like we have this perception that these the that you you can't be drafted in a safety too early or a running back right. or whatever like but the the fact is is maybe i could trade off of your assumptions so that's where i think brandon could be really could really smart about this and say well i know that you know there's this i don't know quarterback that another team wants to come up and get in 28 because then they get the extra year of the yeah, rookie pay scale. cost control. Right, and I can still get my safety that I wanted, you know, or I can still get my linebacker that I wanted in the middle of the second round, and now I've added a third round pick too, yeah. where I think I can get another safety because I don't know what's... I loved when they did the strategy of, you know, drafting the same position multiple times. That was mm-hmm. a couple years ago. I thought that you was... like that? I did. Okay. Because I think a lot of people would be happy if the Bills have two receivers in their bag by the end of day two in their first three picks. Uh, if it's the right ones. Yeah, like, <laughs> I mean, there, there is a, a lot of nuance there. You know, yes. like, like Different I, flavors. Different flavors. Who's available? What's going to keep everyone happy? Those things matter. Cynthia, I've got one more for you. Yeah. Testing is starting. The drills are starting. You're an analytical person, so... What is something that you're eager to see out of these players this weekend? Is there anything that you're waiting to see, whether it's drills on the field, whether it's how guys measure, things like that? I, I think that because we all need – like the, the quarterbacks will shape this in every draft, right? If peop, There's so many quarterback-needy teams this year or teams that are potentially quarterback-needy. We're not really sure how it's going to net out with free agency and all these – like what will the Patriots do? They have such an interest – they're picking third. Mm-hmm. Are they going to – get a free agent quarterback and then trade down and take like, because other teams will come like, so their offense is a mess. They might do that. I think they're actually probably better served with a, with a veteran this year. And Mm -hmm. then like, they've got a lot of holes. It's not a, you know, yeah, you almost set up the quarterback to fail because there's nothing around him. Exactly. So, uh, so I'm, I'm looking at that and that could shape the entire draft. So differently. if there's some massive run on quarterbacks, one through 10, then the bills are getting a way different player. Yeah. A much better one. In all likelihood. Exactly. So, but, so it, and it's like, well, what would the Raiders do? They need a quarterback. They're not picking in the top five. No, they're 13. Exactly. So there's tons of ways that this could all shake out. So to me, 
getting these quarterbacks. The thing about the quarterbacks that's so hard on all of it is everybody thinks they're a quarterback expert and nobody is. You need to find the quarterback that fits your system, what you want to do, that you have a vision for, that can execute what you and, and put the right people in place to help that guy succeed. So it's I'm I'm very curious how these quarterbacks will interview. <laughs> I don't even care about their, what they like. like. I've already seen their tape. We're Just good. interview because well, a few of them aren't going to even test. I don't know. That, have you seen that guy from Notre Dame's hair though? Yo, he's got some lettuce, that kid. He's got, like, like he's, like, a, he's a very... Oh, Hartman? Yeah. Yeah, you've seen the slow motion gifts. Have you oh, seen that so on good. social? It's so, but yeah. I, like, I saw it in person. Even my like, wife is like, okay, he's a good-looking man. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's, like, it's wild, though, because, I mean, how are these guys interviewing? Like, I've heard that, you know, Jaden Daniels is interviewing better than anyone else. But is that great interview enough for the perception to be like, well, Caleb Williams is no one anymore. Well, yeah, I mean, like, as good as the guy. This is, this is a good problem for the Bills because th- we don't sort need that, that out. So that Let you it can, all happen. No, you should want all these quarterbacks to be, go like one through 13, right? Yeah. Like they should go six and 13 or five. Like, so then yeah. the Bills get a way better player. Like this is my, I'm making this strategy for the Bills. I'll, like t- I'll call Brandon. Oh no, we like that because they don't need an offensive tackle either. And about five exactly. or six of them are going to go mm-hmm. two in front of them. So that That's would, exactly you're hoping right. it pushes and that if there's down. a run on, t- on, on the offense, like the offensive linemen. So like I did my master's thesis on these, these people, these way, other way spenders, are they not, et cetera. So, this is a really good, good, deep class for offensive linemen. Okay. But it's also, it, like, it's it's good, but it's also, like, flavors. Do you want this flavor or do you want that flavor? You know, there's not one guy that's like Joe Thomas. There's a few that are really good, yeah. but there's not one that's like Joe could do anything. Right. I get it. I get it. Cynthia, appreciate the time as always. And By look, the way, if, Dion killed it with his saying he didn't like the Jets. That was so funny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it was as well received. Well, well yeah, we'll see. We'll we don't see like what, bulletin board material. Yeah, we don't like bulletin board material, and it was. It's not bulletin so, board material. Well, do you, it is. What, what, you, what do you think? We'll find out, we'll find out when they them. play the Jets in the fall. They're my best friends. That's what we want to hear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We love those guys. They're great. Love Dion. I love Dion. Uh, Cynthia, thanks for the time yeah. as always. We I'll know you're you, busy. We, in August. we appreciate it. Thank you very much. And... We've got more coming up, but uh, we'll see you in the summer. Great. All right. Uh, that was a good conversation with Cynthia. I don't know that she heard the entire Dion Dawkins interview. That <laughs> She's like, ah, what was the bulletin board material there? Well, there were a few choice comments uh, made in there by him, but we'll let that lie and hope people forget about it. We need to tell you the Buffalo Bills coverage of the 2024 NFL Combine is presented by Ticketmaster, the official ticket marketplace of the NFL. And we've got a couple of things we're going to discuss with you while we have some free time here. But we got people holding at 803-0550. They've been waiting patiently. So we're going to go there first. And we go to Mike in Williamsport to lead us off. What do you got for us, Mike? Hey, Chris and Maddie. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I just wanted to say... Um, I think the bill should try to uh, retain Tyler Rapp and put him in the mix okay. at safety. And uh, I know there's not a lot of depth at safety, but it would be something to keep a hold of to get some kind of, you know, depth there. What do you guys think? Right. Well, why don't you tell me this first, Mike? What did you like about Taylor Rapp's game in the year you saw him in a Bills uniform? Well, I like uh, when Poyer, I, th- I believe it was Poyer was down for a little bit. He he held his own. I mean, that that's what I think. Okay. Like if Poyer stays and Hyde, Hyde retires, I think he'd be 
he'd be good there in that position just to kind of keep it going. But if you find a better safety, like McDermott's always looking for players to, you know, they earn the right to play on the field. So, I mean, I wouldn't put Rap on the field, but I'd try to retain him and then get some competition in there. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's funny that you bring this up, Mike, and thanks for the call, but Maddie and I were just having this discussion. A lengthy discussion about Greg, safety. With Greg Cosell, who's just kind of hanging out here, and we'll have him on the show tomorrow, incidentally, uh, to talk receivers with us and what he sees on film from them. But we were talking to him about how the Bills are going to navigate what is kind of a sneaky positional need for them because Cam Lewis is also a free agent who obviously has been a reserve safety for the team. Taylor Rapp is a free agent. And Micah Hyde, we believe, is contemplating retirement at 33 years of age. You couple that with the fact that Jordan Poyer turns 33 at some point this year. Uh, He's still under contract, but he has an $8 million cap figure. And here's the rub for me, Maddie. Taylor Rapp and Jordan Poyer are similar kinds of safeties. They play up closer to the line of scrimmage. They're not covering the half field on the back end if you're single safety high and stuff like that. So I do, if you're keeping Poyer, I don't know that you re-sign Taylor Rapp. Now that's under the assumption that you think Jordan Poyer is still an everyday strong safety. There are some that believe that he's not quite the same player he was when he walked in the door at One Bills Drive seven years ago, and I understand why. So there may need to be a decision made there. Is the cap figure too high for someone that might not be playing every down? And then, as we discussed, the free agent market is flooded with starting caliber safety talent that I think most would say has a healthy number of players that might be considered more talented than Taylor Rapp in the free agent market. Yeah, the conversation changer here could be the safety market is just so, so, so saturated with talented starters, with guys who could play on day one. Um, not saying they're all younger players, um, but with a lot of players who could be plug-and-play guys within this defense that... Maybe you might want to look elsewhere because of the talent that's going to be available within that position group that you might not have to pay top dollar for because the market is so saturated. Another part of this conversation that we had was what type of defense do we think the Bills will be playing in for the majority of the season next year? And a big part of that is Matt Milano's health. We saw the Bills play quite a bit of dime last season when Matt Milano came out. They decided to plug Jordan Poyer into that linebacker spot, and then in comes Taylor Rapp to the equation. Do we think Matt Milano is going to be on the field in week one? If so, do we think this team would be playing as much dime? Probably not because Matt Milano is one of the best within that position group in the NFL, one of the best linebackers in the NFL. So that's another part of this equation is what type of defense would this team be in in the majority of the season? Yeah, if Matt Milano's healthy, you're probably playing nickel 98% of the time again, as had been the case when you had two healthy starting linebackers, and that would be Bernard and Milano. And I think everybody would, would agree that you're probably better served to have Milano and Bernard on the field in a nickel coverage situation rather than Poyer and Rapp along with Bernard, you know, as a trio, um, knowing that Poyer, for all intents and purposes, is considered a safety, even though he was technically playing Milano's linebacker role 
it was nickel, but it was 60 Bs, mm-hmm. so it turns into dime. Uh, so it's a matter of semantics. But Milano's health and how he comes through the offseason, and we had Brandon Bean on the show here telling us he's really not going to be ready until the pads go back on, and even then it might be in a limited capacity. So we're talking training camp because that's when the pads go back on full time. So it's going to be a while, I think, before they have a firm read on where Milano's going to be and if he's going to be full go by week one, capable of playing, you know, 60, 70 snaps a week. So it's a wait and see. And they may have to make a decision on Jordan Poyer's cap number to help them get cap compliant long before that because they have to be cap compliant in two weeks. So there's, there's a... There's a state of flux here with the safety position that I think is a sneaky positional need uh, for Buffalo here going forward. And that's that's the trick right now. Um, they've got to figure that out. And it sometimes it's hard to figure that out when you don't have all the information you wish you had. Yeah, and I spoke with Brandon Bean last night. That interview will go out on buffalobills.com, I would say, within the next couple of days. And I asked him about that safety position and a fresh start for that safety position and starting to think about the succession plan and having two new guys in there because it's not like you're going to get five more years out of Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer at that position group. Knowing that Micah Hyde is a free agent, uh, maybe he comes back for a season, maybe he doesn't, but you have to start thinking about the future of that position group. And I also looped into that question to him is, you know, you see these two players play for seven years together at the highest level you can play within the NFL. The amount of interceptions those two were able to grab, uh, they made a name for themselves. Uh, dynamic safety duo. A lot of people across the league knew those two players. And you talk about them within the same breath because they help each other uh, be their best selves. It must be a little bit tough to have that for seven straight years and then have to start thinking beyond that without having, oh, I want, I want another Micah Hyde and a Jordan, another Jordan Poyer in the back of my mind. Because that, that's not going to be out there. The exact replica of a Micah Hyde and a Jordan Poyer aren't out there. Right. It's, it's, it's unlikely that you're that fortunate to get a tandem that played so well off each other for so long. Again, and then even if you do the likelihood of having that tandem together for as long as they did, seven years, is just as unlikely, if not more so. So it's it's unfortunately, I think we're coming to the end of what was a very special time in Buffalo's secondary, and it's on Buffalo's personnel department and the coaching staff to put their heads together to find out what new combinations they can locate, afford, and pull together within the framework of the scheme to make it every bit as effective as the group that you know has probably come to their end of their time together uh, in Buffalo Secondary, it's kind of a watershed moment. It's like it's weird almost. It is. It's it's signaling in ways uh, a new chapter for this entire team. I mean, they were there in 2017. Now yeah. we're heading into 2024. Might not be the same. They were two of the first free agent signees after Sean McDermott was hired as head coach. Uh, Micah Hyde was kind of a known commodity. Jordan Poyer was not. And what they did with those opportunities was uh, truly remarkable. And, you know, two guys that, Poyer maybe especially, that may merit Wall of Fame consideration mm. with, if you look at his career numbers among defensive backs in the history of the team, 
It is right at the top in several categories. I think he's going to merit some consideration for that down the line in the future. We've got to take a break here because when we come back, we're going to be joined by another NFL Network insider. We had Ian Rappaport at the top of the show. We're going to kick off the final half hour this Thursday edition of One Bills Live with NFL Network's Tom Pellicero. We'll hear what news-breaking items he has for us when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio here at the NFL Combine. Welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Matty Glab with you here at the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis. And pleased to be joined now by NFL insider for NFL Network, Tom Pellicero. Tom, thanks for spending some time with us. We know it's a very busy week for you, uh, working the phones and doing what you do. So we'll begin right here. We'll jump right in. We know that this is cap compliance season, Mm -hmm. and the Bills have a lot of work to do there, as you know. And they've already started. You kind of broke the news about Connor McGovern's restructure earlier this week, but that's just the tip of the iceberg here. There's a lot more work to be done. Do you sense, and maybe based on your experience with teams this far over the cap, more cap casualties, restructures, or contract extensions? Is there? I mean, you've got to have a balance. You can't do all one thing, but how do you kind of see the Bills getting to where they need to be in a couple of weeks? When you have a team that is built to win right now and that should be a contender, you're usually going to see them borrowing from the future. Because that's that's the biggest misconception about when we talk about the salary cap and cuts and all these things. It's every dollar you spend hits the cap eventually. Yeah. There's no cap magic. There's no way everybody, okay, they're redoing these contracts. How oh, the cap doesn't exist? No, it does exist, and that bill comes due eventually. If you run up a credit card bill, somewhere down the line, somewhere in the future, you either die or you pay it, okay? And the NFL is certainly not going to die. So at some point it becomes due, but you are able to borrow short-term yeah. money. You can roll things into the future. Uh, the bills are one of those teams in that spot. And so for a guy like Connor McGovern, who you might have been sitting there going, okay, could he be a cap casualty? No, instead they flip it to a signing bonus. They actually guarantee it so he sticks around. Yeah. You certainly could see more of those, and those are what we call the simple restructures where you're just taking money that was previously base salary, you convert it into a signing bonus, it buys you space now, but again, that bill does become due yeah. in the future. And Josh is probably one of those guys because there's a cap conversion option there that's pretty straightforward. You might be able to wipe out half of that number. Right, and, and that's the whole thing. And, and quarterbacks are the easiest one to yeah. do because once you get past – that first year of the contract, usually, and I, off the top of my head, I can't remember exactly how Josh was structured, but I'm pretty sure it was big signing bonus, mm-hmm. low base salary in year one. That's how most of those are. Well, then, once you get past that, you've got these big base salaries. So every year, you can go into the piggy bank. What you want to be cautious about always is all of a sudden you do that so many times and you add voidable years, which wasn't the thing that was really common, but more and more teams yeah, did more. it coming out of COVID when the cap took the one-year dip. Well, now the fact that the cap goes way up, you wouldn't think – just because the cap goes up for everyone, everybody's got more spending power, you wouldn't think it ultimately matters. But the number of GMs who have said to me this week, well, good thing that cap went up because that saves us from some hard decisions. A lot of teams are budgeting for 243, 245. It comes in at 255. That's an extra $10 million you're playing with now, but cap space is eternal. It doesn't mean you've got to burn through all of it. You can roll over anything yeah. that you don't use, and everybody's always trying to strike that balance. Let's flip to what's going on at the Combine this week in the NFL draft. One team who has quite a bit of power is the Bears. They hold the number one pick. 
Do they trade Justin Fields? Do they draft a quarterback with that number one overall pick? What have you been hearing out of that camp, and why do you think that first overall pick is going to be so interesting this year? Well, Ryan Poles came to the podium the other day and said, I don't have a quarterback master plan to unveil, contrary to reports here. Listen, this is a data-gathering mission for the Bears. There's, we're still two months out from the draft. But we're less than two weeks away from free agency. And ideally, if you're going to trade a quarterback, you're hoping to get, in the case of Justin Fields, you know, a first-round pick would be great. Realistically, maybe it's something with conditions. It starts out as a two yeah. or three, whatever. But when you're making a trade of that type of magnitude, you're going to want to do it before free agency starts because that's when other teams start to make different moves. Things dry up. They're going to want to bring it to a head if, in fact, that's the direction they're going to go. I think that a lot of signs are pointing toward them drafting a quarterback and there's a lot of reasons for that it's not all about Justin Fields and the inconsistency in his play although that's certainly a component here but it's also about you know we just talked about the salary cap it's the long-term management when you are a team that goes into year four of a quarterback contract you're usually trying to pay that guy right now if you're convinced he's the franchise guy well the Bears don't seem certainly sold on doing an extension right now with Justin Fields. So you're going to have to pay him sooner than later. All of a sudden that changes what you can do with the rest of your roster, where if you draft a Caleb Williams or whoever it might be, you reset that clock. You have that guy at a cheap rate for the next four years, relatively speaking, and that can allow you to make a bunch of other moves. So I I think that internally they've got a pretty good idea what direction they're going to go. Reading the tea leaves of it, going all the way back to the offensive coordinator decision, it has seemed like they're building for Caleb Williams to come in here. But there's no, again, there was no rush coming into this week. Have the conversations. Talk to Caleb Williams for the first time. You really haven't spent a lot of time with him here. So you have your initial meeting with him at least. He's not going to do anything on the field. You're not going to get medical. But at least having that conversation, figure out, can he be, from a personality standpoint, yeah. is this a fit? That conversation needed to take place, not to mention all the other conversations they can have with other teams about Justin Fields or maybe even people trying to blow him away with an offer to get the number one. Right, because I think a lot of people forget it's also a decision for that other team because there's a quarterback involved in whatever trade you make, namely Justin Fields. So it's a big decision for anybody you're talking turkey with right now, too. That's, I think, the other part of the equation that maybe doesn't get as much notice out there when they're just thinking about, oh, what are the Bears going to get? Um, so it's an interesting conversation from both sides if you kind of look at it that way. Speaking of big decisions, I think we're all anticipating the Dolphins are going to have an extension lined up for Tua here, which is going to be a major, major investment. And they also got a guy that is looking to make over $20 million a year on the defensive side of the ball in Christian Wilkins. Do you think they can make both work in the same offseason? Well, the, well, I mean, with, fit it under? I mean, they're 50 over two. Right. Well, I mean, there's, there's a couple of different things here. For one thing, Tua is, would be on his 50-year options. So you're talking about the lump sum hitting the cap right now. Uh, if he, you do an extension, it's actually going to drop help his cap him. number. So that's going to help you in 2024, even though it's obviously going to put a lot more on the books into yeah. future years. With Christian Wilkins, they're in a spot where, you remember, the franchise tag would all hit at one year, too. And for defensive tackles, it's a pretty big number. Yeah. So you would like to get extensions done with both of them if you can. You know, they're, they Obviously, they're going to release uh, Xavier Howard at the start of the league year. There are some other moves that they're probably going to have to make. They're still Agba waiting to figure was out. another guy. Right? Agba's another guy they moved on from. They don't know 100% with Teron Armstead. Is he going to continue to play? Because he's got a really big number and some money that fully vests in a couple of weeks here. So a lot of moving parts. But you know, Tua, he did exactly what they asked him last year, which was just 
stay healthy. Do whatever you got to do. He's doing the jujitsu or whatever it was, and <laughs> making sure they knows how to fall the right way. And it, it sounds silly, but like it was a it big. De- it sounds it was a big deal because he can't afford to take head hits. Yep. Yeah, you know, at this stage, he he played at a high level. There were a lot of things that happened down the stretch when they're playing without Raheem Mostert and they're playing without. Jalen Waddle, and I know that every Bills fan is watching this and saying, don't make excuses for the Dolphins. Bills won fair and square. Anybody's got injuries, like, it's an injury league, man. You know, like, the Bills have been through a lot of different stuff. You go back to 2022, they had a, just a, a remarkable yep. string of injuries even before the DeMar Hamlin situation. You know, Vaughn going down early in the Terrell season. Terrell Bernard for the Chiefs game. Right. So, yeah, everybody's got injuries. A lot of it, it just comes down to when are they timed up. Usually... Not every time, but usually if you look at the teams that are there at the end, they're the teams that avoided those catastrophic yeah. type of injuries or just didn't have guys with the little nicks that they're missing a week or two when you have must-win type of games. Yeah. Let's stay in the AFC East here. What are you hearing about the new philosophy in Foxborough and the strategy that Elliot Wolf is going to use to get the Patriots to become a team who can match the talent in the AFC East? Well, it'll be fascinating to see, and I've known Elliot a long time because I, I worked for the Green Bay Press-Gazette back in the day, and he was a, a young scout up and coming yeah. at that time. His dad's the legend. Uh, Ron Wolf, who helped rebuild the Packers in, in the 90s into you know, the Brett Favre, Reggie White uh, Packers that everybody remembers fondly, at least from my childhood. You know, Elliot's a really sharp guy. He's brought in some other people that are have a background in Green Bay, including Alonzo Highsmith, who was with him, also went to Cleveland with him when John Dorsey was the GM there. Um, but they know they need a lot. I, I think that that's fair to say. Patriots have a lot of cap space. They've got a really low cash spend as well, um, just based upon the way that they've structured. They've got a ton of free agents. Like, I mean, I think, essentially, this is a slight hyperbole, but, like, their entire receiver group and offensive line is a free agent. So it's not about (laughs) major, major turnover on that team, and then you don't know that you have the quarterback answer. Mac Jones is still under contract. He's entering year four on his deal. I I find it hard to believe that Mac Jones is going to be the starting quarterback of the Patriots. It would really, really surprise me. But as of now, still on the roster. So, yeah, you've got a lot of different um, you know, things that you're sorting through there. And what they're going to have to decide is, listen, we don't ever want to be drafted number three again, so do we take the quarterback now, now and then or... try to, between spending money and other things you can do in the draft, build around them, or do you trade back, amass more assets, knowing this is a bigger-term build, and then hope you've got a different quarterback option that's out there for you. It's going to be really interesting. Last one for you. There's a thought that Gabe Davis is probably moving on, that someone will pay him in free agency, and it'll be too rich for Buffalo's blood. Um, people are trying to connect the dots already. They think because Ken Dorsey's in Cleveland now that the Browns could be interested. Who are you hearing that might be interested in, in Davis's services on the free agent market? Well, I think that a good way to figure out free agency is often figuring out what coaches went someplace else and who might be trying to bring that guy over. I would anticipate the Browns are going to be in the receiver market. Amari Cooper's been really good mm-hmm. um, since he got to Cleveland for, I think it was a fifth-round pick a couple of years ago because the Cowboys didn't want to uh, pay his salary right. and they end up getting that guy who's really good. But they need that, that dynamic guy opposite him. And so Gabe Davis would, would make a lot of sense. I mean, I think there's a bunch of teams that are going to be in on Gabe Davis. I mean, if you look at the wide receiver market, Mike Evans is obviously a really interesting one. He's an older player at this point, but he's still getting his 1,000 yards every single season. I know the Bucks want to keep him. We'll see whether or not that's a possibility. Mm. After him, you've got this group of players, and Gabe's right there at the top of it. Receiver market can always be funny just based on, you know, there's always a couple of deals that get done in the first day or two of free agency that are, like, bonkers. It's the Christian Kirk, $18 million a year. It's Corey Davis getting whatever it was, $11 million a year uh, a few years ago. Um, You know, with (laughs) with Gabe Davis, like, he, that deal could be anywhere 
12 to $15 million a year. I mean, Gabe Davis is going to get paid yeah. here. It's going to be challenging for the Bills to bring him back. He sounds like a guy who maybe wants a fresh start here. One way or another, he's, uh, he's going to get his money. Tom, thanks as always for the time. Appreciate it, it. We know you're busy, so uh, thanks for making some time for us. We appreciate it. We're going to take a break here. Be back with plenty more on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, back here at the NFL Combine in Indianapolis. Chris Brown, Maddie Glad with you. A few minutes left with you here on this Thursday edition. As uh, we were wall-to-wall with guests today, two NFL Network insiders with Tom Pelissero and Ian Rappaport. And then we had our good friend Field Yates and obviously Cynthia Freeland, friend of the show as well. And uh, we've got, you know, another big schedule tomorrow. This is Maddie's last day as my co-host. She's got to get to a wedding this weekend. Gotta leave. So she is out of Dodge mm-hmm. here tonight in Indy. So we will have uh, Chris Trapasso from CBS Sports co-hosting with me tomorrow and obviously he's plugged into the draft prospects as well since that's his chief responsibility over at cbssports.com but uh, also on the show tomorrow we will have jim Nagy, who is the executive director at the senior bowl so we'll get thoughts from him on some of the seniors in this class since he saw them up close and personal for a full week and scouted them himself and then as we have on a lot of Fridays during the calendar year, especially during the season, our good friend Greg Costell from NFL Films, who is here, he actually just headed over to the stadium because workouts begin, Maddie, today. It's defensive linemen in the 40-yard dash starting at 3 o'clock on NFL Network. So right after we're off the air, the big guys are going to be running. And I know, I know the 40 time is going to be important for players like Chop Robinson from Penn State. Um, obviously Dallas Turner, one of the top pass rushers in the league, and even a guy like Adarius Robinson, who's 286 pounds. I mean, if he runs anything in the vicinity of a 4.8 or under, for a man that size, that's pretty good. I mean, he runs a 4.7. People are going to have their eyes popping out of there. How about a guy like Tavondre Sweat, who weighed in at 366 as well? I want to see what he runs in the 40. People love watching fat people run. Hey, um, they can still move. These these college football players who are big body defensive yeah. linemen, the quick feet that they have is amazing. He weighed in at 366 yes, today, right? 366. Yeah. He was listed at 362 at Texas. We talked to Dane Brugler yesterday, and he was like, well, he was playing at over 370 at times for Texas. So the weight is a concern, but if he can still move carrying all that, it may not matter. Somebody's like, let's get that guy because he's going to plug up two gaps. Here. Plug out two gaps in the run front for you, and we know the Bills are in the market for defensive tackles and defensive ends, so uh, you may want to keep an eye on some of these people Mm -hmm. testing along the defensive line. Linebackers also testing later on this evening, and then on Friday, it's DBs. You want to see some speedsters tune in tomorrow at 3 after we're off the air because they'll be running those DBs in the 40 as well. Wide receivers and quarterbacks are talking to media tomorrow as well. That's right, they are, and then they test over the weekend. Maddie, thanks for all your help this week. It's been a blast. We'll catch you tomorrow here at 1 o'clock.